Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted. Don't be surprised at it. We see it indeed now. So here's what Jesus says. When you're at work and the boss says, you know, the hierarchy's coming in and the, and the figures don't look so good. We, we're going to just spin the figures a little bit to look like we're doing better than we have been doing. And, and you're the one, the head of the accounting department. And you say, well, I can't spin those figures. And the boss says to you, really? If you don't spin them, you better look for another job. Is that persecution? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. Nations have been trying to broker peace deals for generations, and just as many as have been trying to circumvent them. It's a scriptural truth that as long as the enemy is allowed to reign on the earth, there will be wars and conflict. No matter how much people desire peace, it's an impossibility until Jesus' return. Disasters, wars, all this conflict doesn't mean that God isn't in control. Everything up to now has played out just as the Father said it would and will continue into the future. While times may be difficult, take comfort in the fact that you see your Lord fulfilling His promises. When His return draws near, you'll be at peace, even if the world isn't. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 5 with part two of our message entitled, How to Survive in Difficult Times. The disciples actually asked two questions. Number one, when will these things happen? Notice it's plural. The destruction of our temple... And all these other things you've been talking about through the book of Mark and as we've been walking here, when will all these prophetic things happen? And secondly, are there any signs that are going to give us the understanding of the time frame we're talking about here? You see, when the disciples were looking at this and sitting on this mount, they're sitting over there, they're sitting kind of on the mountain with Jesus and they're saying, well, here's what they're saying. Well, we know you're going to die somewhere here shortly. By the way, it's going to be two days. Well, then the temple's going to be destroyed. How many more days is that going to be? And then you're going to come back and the new kingdom's going to be here. From their viewpoint, they thought these three things were put together in maybe like a 10-day time frame. You see, they were looking for these Barbasol signs, you know, getting closer and getting closer and getting closer. If you know what that joke is, you're old and getting closer and closer. If you laughed, you knew. What it means is they're saying, you're going to die The temple's going to be destroyed. The kingdom of God is coming in brand new. When are these going to happen? Give us the time. Man, we want to know the timing of this that's going to happen. That brings us to a very important point. There are some of you this morning when we talk about eschatological things, the end times, eschatology, you're an enthusiast. I mean, you love it. You get every Hal Lindsey book and whatever, you've been reading it all. Others of you say, esca what? Was that a scab on your arm? What is that? Esca what? Well, it just means end time things. And and you're not really too concerned about end time things. Well, you'll find myself, I try to maintain a balance in that area. When we talk about today and when we talk about Daniel and Revelation, 
Some of you need to realize what Jesus is going to say to the disciples here. Don't be too concerned. Don't spend all your time with dates. Some of you need to, because you're on the other end and you're unbalanced, Jesus is going to say to you, you need to watch out. We're living in the last days. You need to pay attention. So we have both kind of groups of people here this morning. And I found a commentator this week and I loved his comment. Here's what he says. The disciples, like most of us today, are concerned about the wrong things. They wish to know information which will be of no real benefit to them, largely to satisfy their own curiosity. Get this. Jesus is much more interested in their conduct today than their curiosity. And so he virtually avoids their questions. Doesn't give them dates. But he teaches them instead what they needed to know, how they should conduct themselves in the light of the destruction of Jerusalem and a second coming. So that's what I want to say to you this morning. When we go through these things, don't be... It's fine to be interested in dates and all the little ins and outs. That's fine. That may be your hobby, whatever. Don't be dead in that area. Don't just put all your effort there. You'll notice Jesus does not answer their questions. What he's going to say to them is this. You don't have a clue about the dates. You're not even going to be alive when most of this happens. I want you to know how to live today. And then you can worry about the other things. So what we're going to find as Jesus goes through here, he doesn't say, well, get your charts out. Here we go. It's going to be here and here and here because we're 2,000 years from it. See, they thought Jesus' death, the destruction of the temple, and the coming kingdom was all going to happen in a 10-day period. Jesus' death happened in two days. The destruction happened 40 years later. And they're still waiting for the kingdom. Their dates were wrong. So Jesus says, would it make any difference when I tell you? So Jesus, if you go back to verse 5, says something very important. He says, watch out. Take heed. For what? What does he want to alert them to? One thing. Deception. Deception. Who is the greatest deceiver? The Bible tells us Satan's a great deceiver. Satan is a deceiver and he wanted Jesus people just to be looking for signs and looking for this and looking for that. And Jesus says, I'm not even going there with the signs. But here is a couple signs, not date related, but signs that you can think about in your life to show you how you should live today. And the first one he mentions is this. Look at verse 6 again. Many will come in my name claiming I am he. And they will be laughed off, blown off. No, they'll what? Deceive many. So Jesus says there are going to be coming people that, number one, they're going to come and they're going to say, I'm the Christ. Have we ever seen that in our world? We've seen many. And in a small way, of course, even in Jesus' time we saw that. Anybody remember a man named Jim Jones? David Koresh? Sung Myung Moon, you remember him? People claiming to be the leader. Were any people deceived with those three specific people? Yes. So Jesus says there's going to be those, and we know the Antichrist is coming and all those things that we'll talk about more as we go through there. But he says that's going to happen. But there's another area I want to stop you to think about. If a person came in here this morning and says, I'm the Christ, I don't believe probably anybody in this room would say, oh yeah, you're the Christ. I don't believe we would be deceived like that. Now we know the Jews are going to be deceived like that in the end time, but I don't believe we would be deceived. How do we get deceived today? Here's how we get deceived today. Write it down. Religious deception. Religious deception. You see, 
Religious deception comes in the, in the cloak of being religious. It's a good thing. Now, when Satan deceives, he doesn't come just with a joke. Actually, he comes as a sheep. In here, he looks like a sheep, but the Bible says inside he's a wolf. So outwardly, he deceives us. It's a true deception. We're, we're just taken back. So what do you mean, Pastor Mark, by religious deception? Well, here's what it is. There are people standing behind pulpits today across our world who say to you, to professing believers, you can accept the lifestyle you're living in. A lifestyle that goes directly against the Word of God. It's okay. You can believe in it. It's all right. You don't have to trust this. The thing that you're doing is fine. And people in those lifestyles are sitting out there going, somebody says it's okay. And they're being deceived. You say, well, that's not happening in our world. Oh, yes, it is. And let me just stop you a moment and ask you to think about a couple things. Up in the Chicago area, a very same thing happened. A certain pastor of a, a denominational church is doing certain things in the church. I'm not going to go there. It's not, the specific thing isn't important. But now the denomination is going to try to remove him. Because here's what he says. The lifestyle that you're living, the thing that you're living, which is spoken of directly by sin in the Bible, you can go ahead and get away with it. It's not a problem. God, it's not a problem today. You can, you can do it. It's not, an, it's not an issue. You can do it. So what happens? You say, well, that's... Well, that's just a few people, but here's what happens. That pastor influences other people in his congregation. And so we take a, a few young guys here, young and young and real young, and these guys listen and they begin to understand that teaching. Then they want to go to seminary and they head off to seminary. They become pastors. In that seminary, we have many professors who now teach that very same thing. Many of our seminaries... Probably the majority of our seminaries in the United States don't believe this is all the Word of God. The majority. So, you say, well, what, what could happen then with that kind of teaching the next generation? Do you have any clue? We will be the exception. By the way, we're already the exception. That's been happening for generations. And what you find today is tremendous religious deception. You say, well, that can't be happening. Yes, it is happening. You just start reading, and you'll find that many people, we have the Jesus Seminar today, go through and they say, well, in those first four books, Jesus didn't say these things. Maybe 5% of those things Jesus said, the rest are just man's ideas. Well, where are you going to start and stop? Where are you going to make that decision? You God? So you either take it all or you take it none. Now, let me show you a clue how to help yourself so that you don't get deceived. And the first thing, basically, to keep yourself from being deceived is this. You must base everything you hear and read, and listen to, and talk about on the Word of God. Everything that goes through, that comes into my life, I filter it through the Bible. If the Bible says it's wrong, guess what? Not too difficult, is it? It's just wrong. If it says it's okay, it's okay. And that's the way you live your life. Simple, not difficult, very simple. That's exactly what you do with the junk you hear that doesn't match up with the Word of God. Pitch it. Pitch it. Number three, don't be alarmed. Life is filled with troubles. How many can say amen to that one? How many had a tough week? Come on, let me see. Had a tough week. Well, Jesus is talking to you this morning. You didn't know it, did you? Verse seven, when you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
You know it, I know it. Life's filled with troubles. Troubles are not a sign that God has lost control of the world. And the end is near. Jesus says to the disciples, there's always wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There will be wars until the end time. There will never be peace on this earth. Listen. There will never be peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace comes back. It's just not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean we like wars. They're just going to be there. Why? Because men's hearts are evil. Your heart and my heart's the same. That's what God has to speak to our hearts. So don't get excited. Jesus says, it's going to be there. There's going to be wars. It doesn't mean the end of time is coming. Secondly, look at verse 8. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquake in various places. There'll be typhoons, as I heard this morning in the Philippines, if you saw that in your paper. There'll be famines, which we see in the Sudan right now. These are the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus says, not only are there going to be wars and rumors of the war, but life is just going to be filled with these natural disasters. They're going to happen. El Nino is going to happen over and over and over again. People say, the end of the world is coming. Not necessarily. Jesus says life is filled with this. Don't panic about them. Be at peace. Be in control. Now there is a difference of opinion. Wars and famines are not a sign specifically of Gen times. You just can't say, well, there's a war and there's a famine. That means Jesus is going to come. That's been happening for 2,000 years and it will continue to happen. But notice what it says at the end of that verse. These are the beginning of birth pains. Now, I don't know a lot about birth pains. Um, you women do. Although I've delivered two children, not, not our own, but I've delivered two children. And I do remember, because the doctor didn't get there in time, the, the, the young girls were, they were screaming when I delivered the kids. And you know what happens in birth pains. As the time gets closer and closer, you, you women know it. It's the, the grunt time and the hurt time. And the pains get more intense and what? Closer together. So there are many people that believe what Jesus is saying there is, when you see these things, these natural calamities, these wars and rumors getting more frequent, more intense, there's about to be a delivery. Well, what delivery is going to come? Well, the delivery that's going to come is the new messianic age. God's going to usher in a brand new... So there is some relevance to the frequency, possibly, and the intensity of these things. Number four. But by the way, God says about those, don't be alarmed. Don't be running off the deep end. The world is coming to the end. The world is coming to the end. The world is coming to the end. Don't be alarmed. And you'll see why he says that. Verse number four. Guard your spiritual life during times of personal testing. Guard your spiritual life during times of personal testing. Look at verse nine. Jesus says, while all these things are happening, you must be on your guard. Disciples, you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings and as witnesses to them. Now, some of you look and say, well, why is Jesus saying this to the disciples? Why is he saying to them, you're going to stand before a king. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. Because he wants to say to them, don't be surprised about it. All these things are going to happen in the world, but it's going to get very personal in your own life. There's going to be personal persecution. But Jesus is trying to say, and he's saying to you and I this morning this, personal persecution also is not a sign of the end of the times. Now, if you look at that verse 9, if you want to know if it ever came true, just scan the book of Acts. All true. It all happened. Go through the book of Acts and look for the times that you see the word stand, S-T-A-N-D, which is a word that we're going to talk about at the end of our teaching today. 
You will see they're always standing before these people after being beaten and whatever. So Jesus says, it's going to happen to you. You're going to be brought before religious kings and leaders, and you just want to realize that the persecution is coming. Now, if you came from a, a church that taught prosperity gospel, that everything in a Christian life is going to be good and you're not going to have any difficult times, I guarantee you, you do not have verse 9 highlighted in your Bible. That says, persecu- listen, you won't like it, but here's what it says. Persecution is a given for believers. It's a given. Absolute given. So we shouldn't be surprised. Now what happens today? Well, you and I know we do get some suffering and some hardship because we're Christians. I use the term because we hear it all the time. Now people spin stories about us. Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted. Don't be surprised at it. We see it indeed now. So here's what Jesus says. When you're at work and the boss says, you know, the hierarchy's coming in and the, and the figures don't look so good. We, we're going to just spin the figures a little bit to look like we're doing better than we have been doing. And, and you're the one, the head of the accounting department. And you say, well, I can't spin those figures. And the boss says to you, really? If you don't spin them, you better look for another job. Is that persecution? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. What should you do? Well, I can't find another guy. I mean, there won't be another job, God. I've got this is the best job I've ever had. I'll spin the figures. No, Jesus says, you guard your heart. Just say, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to wilt under your pressure. Jesus Christ is more important than my job. By the way, if you have to do it, you'll find a better job the next one. You watch. He'll do it. You have to honor God. So it it comes in all of areas of our lives. And Jesus is just saying, don't worry about the end time stuff. Watch your own spiritual walk. You must be filled with the power of the Spirit to be able to do those things. Then we come to, I believe, is one of the most important verses in this entire chapter. It's verse 10. And it says this. And Jesus said, the gospel must first be preached to all nations. What Jesus is saying is this. Satan wants to take the good news of the gospel. And he wants to, through fear, intimidation, persecution, spiritual dryness, he wants to silence our message. We say it, I don't know that we believe it. Jesus is the only hope of this world. You see, every person who doesn't know Jesus Christ Every man, every woman, every boy living in darkness. They're empty. They're guilty. They're fearful of death. They're lonely. They're looking for answers to life. And Jesus Christ is the only one that can give them a change in their life. So Jesus says here, despite every opposition, whether it's from storms, whether it's political, whether it's persecution privately at work or whatever... Let, let all those go. You must preach the good news. Now, stop and think about this for a moment. Why would Jesus say to the disciples, I'm going to send you before kings to be beaten. Let's take Festus. Paul comes to him. Why would, why would God allow Paul to be imprisoned and brought before Festus and brought before Felix? One reason. So Paul could do one thing. You see it in the verse. He shared what with him? The gospel. You see, how else? Who else is going to go before the king? 
on their own say, excuse me, I'd like to have an appointment with you next Tuesday. I want to share the gospel. No, most people wouldn't do it. So God says, well, I'll show you how I'm going to do it. Paul, sorry. You're going to have to take a little rough treatment. But when you get there, the most important thing, Paul, is when you stand before him, you must share the good news. Now that commandment, that commission has never changed. The verse you read, the verse you read in front of you, the gospel must be preached to all nations, is for every single one of you. It's the Great Commission. The only way your neighbor, your friend, the person at work, your relative, is going to come to Jesus Christ is if you or somebody else shares it. I heard somebody say not long ago, and I think it's very true, the reason we don't share the gospel with any kind of fervency is because we really don't care. Now, it really bothered me when I heard it. What it says is this. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm saved. And to be honest with you, I really don't care. What else are you going to say about it? We really don't care. So Jesus says, you must care. There is no other way for the world to be changed until they hear. Do you know in the tribulation period, angels are going to preach the gospel? In Paul's time, Paul said the gospel went to all the world. Our generation, you're responsible. I'm responsible. Every single one of you, every single Christian is responsible for the Great Commission. It must be preached because if it isn't preached, then people are going to be lost. And I have that responsibility. Do we care? Number five, trust in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Trust in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Look at verse 11. I love it. Jesus says, Disciples, whenever you are scheduled to speak as the pastor, don't worry about studying. Just get up before the people and let it fly. Is that what it says? I've heard pastors teach this. That they take this verse... And they say there, just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Well, they never do give you the first part of the verse that says this, when you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you have to say. By the way, if anybody gets up in a pulpit and does that, they should be arrested and brought to trial. And it won't be long before the congregation will, because they're going to say, what was that that you just said? No, the scripture can't be taken out of context. I must study to show myself approved. So what Jesus says here is this. Notice how that verse starts. This is a little scary. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, if you ever happen to be arrested, disciples, what's he say? Whenever. Hello. In other words, start counting the times. It's going to happen in your life. When you get there, be strong. Just share because God will give you the strength. Number six. You endure until your end. Now you're going to see something in verse 12 that's a really a difficult verse. This shows us how difficult it's going to come. Even though it's happening in the world now, it hasn't happened really in this country, but it could very easily. Verse 12. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. It's very interesting, when Mark is writing this to the church at Rome, the Christians, when Mark's writing this, this is what's happening. As wars break out and the world is full of troubles, Jesus said not to be alarmed. 
In Mark chapter 13, Jesus warned of deceivers in the end times who would fool a lot of people. He also warned the disciples that they would be individually persecuted, suffering because of their faith in him. Jesus told them that all men would hate them on account of him. Pastor Mark noted how the world is moving that way, hating what is good, Jesus. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll see what kind of attitude we should have when approaching the last days and how to deal with such a tumultuous time. As we'll hear, the Christian life is one that requires the assistance of the Lord in order to keep going. Through persecution and death, there is only one who can carry us through, Jesus. The Word shows us how we can persevere through these difficult days. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 